Because today on Mark My Words, I have a guest that I am really excited to talk to. Usually I'm listening to her talk as she is the founder and host of LinkedIn Local in Baltimore. If you've listened to my podcast or read my blog, I've made references to LinkedIn Local and what an impact it's had on me over the past few years. And Melody Barron is my guest, and she does much more than just LinkedIn Local, although what she's doing with it is a heck of a lot. She is also an Associate Leadership Council co-chair for Living Classrooms Foundation, which I'm also really excited to talk about a little bit. And Melody, you are the pride of Baltimore. Welcome to Mark My Words. <laughs> wow, I love it. Um, can they get that written somewhere on one of the living classroom ships? I would love that. I'll just be parked right next to the Constellation, I guess. <laughs> At the very least, I can put it in the description for this episode if you want. <laughs> like, hey, she's, she does all this stuff, but really she's the pride of Baltimore. You're very sweet. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I have been uh, very pleased to see that you have sort of taken your dream into a reality over a very short period of time, I would say. Um, and, and being friends with you and, and watching all of this, I'm happy to be here today. So thank you for having me. Well, I'm real happy to have you and I really appreciate all you have done directly and indirectly, you probably don't have any idea how much of an impact that you've had on me just going back to LinkedIn Local. And all I wanted to do was promote my blog and one thing led to another. And I started meeting people like you, heard about LinkedIn Local, and you were one of those people who encouraged me to go and to do it. And I was always opposed to going to networking events because I've gone to a few and they're usually kind of lame and you don't really know how to like introduce yourself or to meet people. And really it's just a matter of going up to maybe a booth and shaking hands with somebody and you don't follow up or have any contact. Whereas with LinkedIn Local, it's like, amazing you feel you told me oh you know we're all friends here we're all it's like family i'm like all right well i'll see uh for myself but that <laughs> i mean because people will tell you stuff like that and it's not necessarily the case but i will tell you if my word means anything to anybody that was absolutely the truth with linkedin local so take it That's to heart it's, it's very sweet. And I will say it's true. I think that creating that environment is indicative of the people that come to LinkedIn Local. Um, I think there's a very big part of this is that this networking group or any success that we have had as connecting or connectors is due to the fact that we have this platform LinkedIn, right? So it's basically taking your digital network and bringing it to 3D. So you're able to actually make those connections real. And that's really the focus and the mission. And you know, when I first told you that and encouraged you to come, 
it was the truth. It was when you come, I do want to talk to you and I don't necessarily want to exchange a business card with you. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know things like this about your podcast and you know, how's life with you and your wife. And you know, those are the things getting to know you on that human level that, um, interest me more and I think interests the organizers of LinkedIn Local globally as a whole. That would be the mission um, really to create community. So becoming friends and becoming family, I think is maybe sometimes uh, a left behind concept. And I think trying to reinforce that is something that's desperately needed and now more than ever. No, I totally agree. And I guess I, one of the things that made me comfortable was the fact that you and I not only went to the same college, we had the same major. So <laughs> I knew what I was getting into right there, even though I, I got asked before we get back into LinkedIn Local, I feel like I maybe remember you. Do you even remember me? And you can, you can say no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to be so honest here. I don't remember a lot of people from college or high school. And that is just me having a very poor memory. That's also one of my best qualities because I forget arguments very quickly. <laughs> I could get, <laughs> get over them. Um, no, I, I, unfortunately, I don't remember you. I wish that I did. I remember sitting in certain studios, uh, you know, certain classrooms. Um, I remember obviously my roommates, you know, very close with those people, um, but maybe the people that I, I even am still in contact with from college, I could probably count on one hand. Um, but when you told me that and we had the same professors and everything and going through that same major together, it was pretty funny. And uh, it's nice to, to commiserate with somebody else who, who sort of went through all of those same experiences with old equipment that I think back to now, like what were we even doing? And those old couches in the studio and stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I don't know if you did Newsbreak, but I did that, went through that process. Very cool. And um, uh, yeah, I, you know, funny, I remember a lot of stuff about high school, but college for me was just kind of a blur. I, I'm one of those people that does remember a lot. And for some reason, looking back, I'm like, boy, I don't even know if it's worth trying to think too hard because I just, I don't remember. I remember some people definitely remember the professors, but it gets harder as the years go on. I'm not getting any younger, so. <laughs> Absolutely, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I just had a birthday, so I, I feel you on that. And I, I was just thinking, actually, now that you mention it, I was thinking about my high school reunion and how many years that would be, and that number gets scarier, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting close to 25 years myself, which we haven't had a reunion in 20 years, so I don't even know if that's gonna happen, but. Uh, I guess thinking about community and even though we may not remember who was in our classes in college, I mean, we come from pretty tight-knit community from that department. And I feel like you definitely bring that mindset to LinkedIn Local. And just wanna know, I mean, I know from being around you at these events that 
you know, you like to have fun. You take it very seriously, but, you know, you're fun and you're really uh, thinking about that aspect of bringing people in that you already know and you form those relationships. But before you even started Lincoln Local, how much were you thinking about maybe people like me who might have been on, you know, kind of the fringe and just questioning these kind of events and what kind of impact they could make? Like, how much did that play into your mentality for LinkedIn Local? I think it probably played into it a lot because I had been to a lot of networking events. So I had the advantage, um, and not just myself, because we are stacked with a volunteer team. And when we conceptualized LinkedIn Local Baltimore in our city, um, Joe Zumba was my first co-host, and he was instrumental in standing this up and getting it to where we wanted it to be. So I think a lot of my jobs over the years um, put me in positions of networking on a regular basis. Um, you know, my, my day job, I'm in communications. So I'm talking and meeting people and, and that's my world all the time. So I think the advantage to us creating this atmosphere and certainly wanting to encourage people like yourself is that I had been to all those events that you don't want to go to or that you didn't have a good experience at and on the contrary that you did have a good experience at maybe. So blending all of those elements and sort of creating an environment where people feel comfortable uh, was always the focus. So I want every single person that walks into the door, no matter where the venue is, who the vendors were, who the speakers were, and who the sponsors were, I want them all to have the same feeling of welcome um, and that we're here to listen, learn, and experience with each other. Um, those three words, listen, learn, and experience, have always been part of our mantra in our um, event descriptions because that's really what we do together. Um, and if I saw someone that maybe wasn't used to the networking environment and could have been a little timid, I or someone else in the room are happy to and want to genuinely, right? Like grab you and just say, hey, and you know, we do hugs, not handshakes. It's true. Um, it really is true. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's not just me. It's, it, it is, it's our community. It's a bunch of people that have come together naturally in a way um, that were found maybe through promotions, um, but they came together naturally and we have about a 50% return rate and a 50% new clientele. So it's really a continuous, nice blend of people that I think adopt the same values and principles. And I can speak to that because even though I haven't been able to get out quite as much to these events over the past year, when I was going pretty consistently, you would have all the usual uh, people that you got to know and were seeing month to month, but then you would get uh, just as many that were new or weren't coming every month. And I think that, at least for me, is a nice blend of, okay, you have a lot of familiarity, but you're also getting to meet new people too. And I think it's not just an event where everybody is up in their own agenda. Everybody 
usually seems very interesting in learning about you. And that's one of the things I love about these events. Well, thank you for saying all that. I mean, behind the scenes, um, it, it takes, it takes a village. It really does. And you need the right village. So it, it's not just um, a village of robots that are putting together events. It's really a lot of people coming together and collaborating on what would be useful for our audience to hear about as far as our presentations go. Um, we don't really, you know, say no too much, I would say, to like businesses or vendors that want to be part of it. Although uh, our contributions primarily are donated to Living Classrooms Foundation, um, we welcome several nonprofit organizations over the years to highlight upcoming events that they have. Um, really, that all-inclusive environment is something that I, I take pride in and, and I'm really happy about, um, you know, especially going into almost our fourth year. That has been something very special and the myriad of, you know, different places we've gone to together, right? It's not just like you went by yourself it's like we actually ventured there together and we all took that journey together. And I should note that in most cases, if not pretty much every case at this point, these events happen in a different place every month. It's not just we're going to the same office uh, like place, you know, like maybe auditorium or whatever. It's like a pretty, I've learned so much about Baltimore just through going to these events and a lot of like thought comes into it and it's not just through you the host as you said you're you know you got a team behind you that's uh pulling a lot of weight too and uh i think one thing that i'd like to know is so you have your average networking event Mm -hmm. where it's held at the same place and the same kind of things happen. Then you have something where you're going to some of the trendiest and coolest places <laughs> in Baltimore and you're having a great time and it's a very uh, well-oiled machine. How do you get to the point where you have all this cool stuff going on? Did you think that was possible when you first started? No, and it's gotten easier over the years um, because of awareness, because of uh, past interactions, uh, and basically as a result of building the network continuously. In 2018, when we started uh, and we launched in Baltimore, I was relying on a network that was solely my network because at that time, we didn't even really have that uh, solid volunteer team. I think there was like uh, three of us. It was myself and Joe Zumbo, my co-host, and my husband <laughs> really helping us and supporting us. Um, so the venues were not as sexy. They, not necessarily, but they had character and they had crit and I loved them all the same. Um, so I was relying on friends with working art galleries, friends with film production studios, restaurants that I patronized all the time. Um, you know, having a contact of a contact who said, hey, you know, this place would be available. 
Um, obviously, Living Classrooms gave us their space, um, you know, in the first year, which was awesome, and we continued. That's the only space that we repeat is Living Classrooms Foundation every year for our donation delivery. Um, but over the years, more and more people find out about LinkedIn Local Baltimore, find out about maybe the benefits on several different levels, right? So a venue may be coming to me now because they want exposure. Um, but there also might be businesses that are coming to me because they really believe in the mission. Um, and there's also people connecting me all the time. So, you know, up until uh, recent current events and the pandemic, I mean, we had our calendar stacked for the rest of 2020. We were planned and done. I mean, that's how far in advance that we do plan everything. And I'm fortunate to be in that position where we really didn't have to scramble anymore. And I think that was sort of the nature of the flow of these events. I will say, just like any other project, task, um, obligation that a human being has to encounter, we have struggles sometimes. We have like last minute stop signs that we need to like reevaluate and quickly like change of pace or outdoor events that we need to find cover for and things like that. Um, you know, but that's also part of the fun and I thrive on that. I think, you know, having somewhat of a production background um, is really what I love. It excites me and that's, I'm happy to have this in my life to be able to do this. And taking people on a tour of Baltimore is, you nailed it on the head, it is part of what we do. LinkedIn Local is in over 650 cities worldwide but in Baltimore, part of our focus is that I want to take you somewhere you've never been. And maybe I've never been. Um, and I find that to be fun to do together as a community. And I really feel that the fun comes through every time that I go. I mean, you are all about promoting a fun atmosphere and it's not just about exchanging cards and you know just your own agenda everybody somehow some way finds a way to get something out of it whether it's the the guest speaker or the networking time i mean for me that runs a lot more personally because i remember the first event i went to which i had a really great time at but that first hour, I was just kind of in a corner eating food. And I'm just like, holy crap, I'm nervous. And <laughs> just kind of that whole night was about waiting for people to come up to me and talk to me. And that actually happened. And that, as a result, made me relax. And it made me see what you were trying to tell me and just the fun that I had overall between that nice presentation, which I think was about making video content. Content creators. Was, I remember it was yeah. at, um, it was at Atwaters, right? That was your yeah. first event. Okay. Yeah, that was my yeah. first one. And Shelby Blondell played guitar and yeah. yeah, that was a great event. And that really just that pre that presentation, you know, first time, it made a big difference for me. And not only have I wanted to go every single month ever since, but just 
listening, it's amazing how things work out because I think I was always feeling kind of like a fire within myself to do what I'm doing today with the podcast, but was always like, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to want to like listen to me or, you know, who's going to want to watch this and imposter syndrome is basically what I had and through all the folks that you had at that one uh, event, it got me kind of out of my shell a little bit to just create video content. And that seems intimidating and it kind of is, but just taking those little steps and that whole encouragement of that community. Because once you go once, you get to know more and more people and it becomes community to you and it can make like a huge difference. So it's just really amazing to me what you're doing. And again, I I know you're aware of a lot of the impact that you're having, but to probably to hear my side of it like this without all the crowds around us talking, yeah. hopefully that is something you can take away uh, going forward. I will tell you, um, first of all, networking should be fun. Why, why would we want to not make it fun? But here's the thing. It's not everybody's cup of tea. You do, and we don't, I, I don't shame anybody for not being into or digging our vibe, right? I, I don't, if that is not beneficial or, or someone comes to LinkedIn Local Baltimore and they don't find value, they can find value, you know, maybe at a BNI or some other environments. And hearing people tell me stories like yours in various ways that our events have impacted them is what keeps me going. I'm grateful to hear those stories and I want to hear those stories. Um, it, it doesn't fall on deaf ears at all. I, I, I really do appreciate those one-on-one times because you're, you're right. In, uh, in the events, I'm like buzzing around the room, you know, there's like a million things going on and it is hard to have more than like a five minute check-in with you. Hey, how you doing? You know, maybe towards the end of the night when I can relax a little bit more, we can, you know, talk a little bit further, but I have heard so many things. I have heard people tell me that it feels better. They feel better after going to the events. I have had people tell me that they felt comfortable in their own skin. And I'm speaking about a transgender person that has attended our events and they were accepted and welcomed. You know, I've heard your story of saying that it inspired you and that fire within you was able to come out. I mean, these are amazing things to hear from people. And um, that, I never ever thought that I would hear those things. That, that wasn't, I think, in my periphery at all. That wasn't, it wasn't my focus. I wasn't out to change lives. I was out to, bring our community together and really create something where we could have a good time. And like we talked about earlier, you know, create that space that I needed that I hadn't been getting out of maybe my other networking events. So and I appreciate you sharing and, and I thank you so much for, for doing that. And your words are just so kind, Mark. Oh, hey, you've, uh, we could probably spend the whole rest of our time <laughs> thanking each other. <laughs> But I, 
no i i really appreciate it and uh you know just networking in general i mean as somebody who's done so much of it and hopefully yeah. anybody who might be listening to this just taking yourself outside of this world that you've created i mean what kind of advice do you have for just networking and doing right by yourself to try to get yourself out there more? So, um, you know, I did a lot of networking and, and during my career, and I think always first and foremost was being genuine. You have to be yourself. And if you're not comfortable with yourself, then maybe that's something that, you know, you should focus on a little bit you know, to prep you for being at a networking event. Um, I never wanted to portray myself, whether I was in a sales role or any other kind of role that I was, uh, you know, at a networking event for or something that I was promoting. Um, being genuine and being me and embracing that first and foremost, I think has been something that probably got me or led me to success in some capacity, if that's what we want to call it. Um, and the, the other important part is listening. I mean, we need to listen to each other. And I don't care if it's at a networking event or I'm just, you know, at a festival or something. It doesn't feel good for someone to come and speak to you and push something on you without caring about what you have to say. Without, ha you know, someone that has an agenda that has nothing to do with you and only about them is never going to benefit either party, in my opinion. And I think taking the time to listen to someone and really hearing whatever they want to say and understand is a really good touch point. And it takes seconds. It takes seconds. You know, we try to initiate conversation at LinkedIn Local Baltimore with name tags. So on the name tags, there's always like a question, like what's your favorite XYZ in, in regards to the, you know, the the focus of the presentation, but that's a way to trigger conversation and, and to help people blend, you know, a little bit more into the scene. Um, you know, I think those are probably my two biggest things that I would say. And I would also say, you know, coming with an open mind. So if you're going to network, um, you know, as you and I have been to probably an all suits stuffy occasion, um, you know, so to speak, and, you know, very dry and, and, and sort of just, you know, uh, quiet. Um, you know the, how that makes us feel. And maybe we have a little bit too much attitude and a little bit too much spark for places like that, but it doesn't mean that you can't bring it there. Maybe they need that spark. Maybe they, they're inspired by your spark. Um, so never forget who you are. Uh, always be kind, you know, and and I think that comes with the listening portion. I think those things are sort of hand in hand. That is like the best advice. I I love just the points that you made there. Be genuine and listen. And I mean, right there in a nutshell are like really big points like that sums it up right there and I, I really think just that in a nutshell can really help somebody to uh, 
overcome any fears that they might have. I mean, when I came into LinkedIn Local, basically, that was that's really how I approached it. I was like, well, I'm already nervous, not good <laughs> at acting or being something else. So, right. you know, I'll just, either you're going to accept me or you won't. And uh, that's kind of, kind of just my approach with life in general. And then listening, I've always been told I'm a good listener. So I listen to everybody. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really think uh, you hit it very, very well. And I appreciate where you're coming from. I think that all comes through just as you as a host. And uh, really appreciate that. Um, before we run out of time, I mean, we have all the time <laughs> in the world, I guess. But, okay. Um, so I called you the pride of Baltimore, and, which I think makes you giggle. <laughs> <laughs> And for those who are listening, she is waving her hands like, uh, or her hand like a beauty contestant. So, um, I basically want to talk about, so Living Classrooms Foundation is something that you've connected to uh, LinkedIn Local quite a bit. And I can remember actually being there, I think December of 2018, that was a very, you, you were, we were at Living Classrooms Foundation, right? That was December yes, 2018? Yes, correct. Okay, you do remember. Yeah, I remember that being a very emotional, uh, emotional night and uh, really appreciated learning more about it just through that event. And we'd love to talk a little bit about just what you do with them in general and uh, sure. how it has affected you during this uh, particular time period we're in. So uh, my affiliation with Living Classrooms started in 2017. I was nominated as a rising star. They have a rising stars program in affiliation with the Baltimore Business Journal. And my good friend, Joe Zumbo, uh, was a prior rising star and he nominated me for that class of 2017. And uh, through sort of your um, induction process, I would say, or different events that Living Classrooms brings you to to learn about their programming, and the fundraising that you're doing uh, as a rising star, I learned more and I think the most about Living Classrooms after I heard from people directly involved with Living Classrooms programs. And that at that December LinkedIn Local event, you heard from Cindy Covington, who has ultimately changed my life. Um, she she really opened up my eyes, not only to the organization and the work they do, but I think the, the more important aspect of connecting with our community members as a whole and how important it is for us to support each other and everyone, no matter where we come from and what our backgrounds are. So, you know, their programming is extensive and Living Classrooms is in Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And uh, I do serve now on, 
on the board on the Associate Leadership Council. I'm a co-chair along with my other co-chair, TJ Kielty. And together, um, we sort of initiate ways to raise funds for programming that needs it most during the year. Um, and we have board meetings surrounded uh, or um, around topics of ways, in interesting ways, even now, you know, now we're in a very interesting market um, for how to fundraise. So getting creative um, and keeping the momentum going just because our world has sort of shifted uh, and the way it works and operates has shifted, that doesn't mean the, the priorities of the people that live in Classrooms Foundation serves have shifted. It's still the same and the need is still the same. Um, so tying it all back to, living, to LinkedIn Local was a no-brainer. I mean, Joe and I decided that very early on. Um, I sort of knew that I was not going to be um, making money on LinkedIn Local. So there's a ticket price there, and we held the funds knowing that the funds would go somewhere. Do we divvy it up every month to a different organization? And we ultimately came to the decision that the biggest impact that we could make was to continue to contribute the big sum at the end of the year to Living Classrooms Foundation. And over two years, we've raised $30,000 through events. Um, this year in 2020, we were projected to match what we made in two years, and we were projected to raise another $30,000 in one year. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic has um, significantly crushed our fundraising potential due to no live events. Um, but transferring to virtual is something that we've done, and we are still charging virtual admissions. So what exactly do you feel has been, uh, like, have you been able to do anything particularly impactful through this organization since uh, the pandemic and especially during this period where we've had all the protests going on. What exactly, uh, if anything, have uh, you been able to get involved with through them? So we are limited, but their programs are still running as much as possible through, uh, through virtual, through Zoom meetings um, and other ways that they can be creating things for some of the youth programs from afar, um, you know, kits that children can be making at home and learning activities for them to be doing when they are at home. Um, you know, they have a food distribution service for people who are out of jobs, and they have been doing that routinely outside of the UA house, delivering, I think, like 200 meals a day or something, um, and providing groceries to those who no longer have a place to work due to the pandemic. Um, a lot of it is getting creative on how to help living classrooms identify the areas of transition right now. So I think that's a lot of what our board has been focused on. There's also letters that you can write, letters of comfort. Um, there are Amazon wish lists that can be filled out. There's equipment that they still need to complete some of their programming and purchasing things in bulk that they need to put together certain kits. Um, and also something that I did on my own and I have encouraged others to do both inside of Living Classrooms Foundation Board and you know, throughout my own network. Um, I've been purchasing groceries for 
Living Classrooms program uh, participants that unfortunately no longer have a job and they don't have a way to feed their families. So where I can afford to do that, um, making a grocery trip for someone else is a little bit daunting, but I will say um, I got uh, four stars and I was told that I did okay getting all of the essentials and just taking an hour of my day to go to the grocery store and drop them off safely at someone's doorstep made me feel good, but it made them feel amazing. And if I can do that for someone, just one person, two people, um, ways to make an impact, that's, those are some of the things that, that I did. Um, and I, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to be able to do it. Would you consider what you're doing right now to be one of the more gratifying things you've done throughout your time with them? Uh, doing right now in what regard? What do you mean? With oh, Lincoln just, Local uh, or? Just uh, the impact that you're having just by being involved, delivering groceries. I mean, that sounds extremely gratifying, especially considering where we're at right now in, uh, in our nation. So that's just amazing to me what you're doing. Thank you. I will say, to be quite honest, it no nothing feels like enough. And I think that's a very human feeling. Um, when I receive, uh, you know, the thank you note or the text that said, you know, thank you for bringing the groceries and I don't have to wait in line at my daughter's school to get a bag of food for a couple weeks now, then I'm overwhelmed with emotion. And I feel really good about that. I will say in general, my personality is in autopilot and I just go and I don't really think about uh, the gratification or maybe the impact so much. I think I'm just doing and I wanna keep doing whatever I can um, and whether that's giving words of affirmation to other leaders and encouraging them to step up in a time where it's difficult to do that, because I have those moments myself. It's not easy for me to stand up and keep going every day in the environment that we're in. It's not easy for me to watch what's happening in our world and the social injustice most recently that's taking place. And we are in a very, very difficult time in our lives, but this is also a very pivotal moment where we can take all of this energy and it can be used for better and for making change. I think most people are really feeling that right now. And I, I know just for myself being where I'm at, I know just from talking to people like you or talking to somebody that I met on LinkedIn earlier today, we had a Zoom call and just hearing their story and talking about what's going on in the world, like that energizes me. It really makes me want to continue doing what I'm doing. And I, I know I'm coming at this from a much smaller scale than what you're doing. What you're doing is like out of this world amazing. But uh, I also kind of feel like, man, I wish I just could do more and had more time to do more. And uh, from at least from my perspective, I can kind of relate to where you're coming from there. And uh, 
I can understand just the need to continue pushing on. And uh, one thing that I did kind of think about, just kind of tying in where you're at now to, I guess, one of my biggest talking points on this podcast. So when you were back at Cookstown going through all those electronic media classes, did you ever think that all these years later that you would be doing things that are just so impactful to people on this level? Did you think you were just gonna, you know, push buttons? Like, where, what did you think, where did you think you were gonna be? Uh, I actually, when we graduated, uh, as a senior coming out of electronic media at Cookstown University of Pennsylvania, I requested that my internship be outside of the electronic media realm because I had decided I wanted to go into events. Um, so that's uh, number one. So I never, after four years of college, I knew I didn't want to push buttons. Um, and I also didn't want to work for QVC, which a lot of our, our <laughs> which a lot of people ended up working for QVC. I, think. I interned there. See? Yeah. <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with it. Um, but I knew when I, when I left uh, my college education exactly what I wanted to do. And it, it was to be in the events and entertainment industry. And I followed that. I followed that pretty hard although I still maintained my communications aspect of my background. Um, but what I will say is over the years, my hopes and dreams changed. And I think that at a certain point in my life, I don't know if it's when I was 30 or maybe around that time, you start to get an itch to have a need to want to do something more and that's bigger than you. And I think when an opportunity like Living Classrooms Foundation or LinkedIn Local presented itself to me, that's my gratification. That was what made me feel a little bit more whole, but I don't think I ever or lose the, the itch. I, I want to keep trying to find those ways to make more of an impact whether it's at my day job to find projects that are more impactful than what I'm currently working on within my company um, or finding other roles and other leadership roles that I can take with nonprofits that can help make a difference. Um, but it's important to, to point out that I am one single person and burnout is a real thing. So when I hear you say that you want to do more, whatever you're doing, whatever you can do, it's enough. And we cannot put that burden on ourselves because it's real, right? I mean, I do it, but I have to be reminded and I'm reminded by my loved ones and my friends that there are wonderful things that we are making contributions in this world to and that Sometimes that can be enough. Um, you can want more and you can always make changes in areas where you see more for yourself. Um, but I, I am 
in most days, I'm at peace with what I am able to do with the time that I have. I find it really interesting when you mentioned around your 30s, you started to think about what more you could do, like you wanted to make a bigger impact. And I went through something very similar because I worked in this field for years, pushing buttons and doing all that stuff. I finally got promoted and became a manager and really appreciated the impact that I was having on my staff and the reaction that I was getting from them for maybe certain initiatives that I implemented and all the stuff that I was doing for them in the department that I worked in. And by the time I left, I was like, boy, I really, I spent a lot of time trying to climb the corporate ladder. And now I'm in a spot where I'm like starting completely over, but that itch to make a difference and can, to continue to uh, correspond with people in maybe the fashion that I'm doing now. Like it took a while for me to figure out what exactly to do with that fire because I had a lot of dreams growing up, including being a public speaker was a dream of mine. I wanted to write like a TV show and that's why I got into broadcasting to begin with. It's funny how I, I didn't realize that doing master control and all that stuff was a real thing. Even being in the field, once I got out of school, I'm like, oh, there's jobs like that? So I, I always thought, oh, I'll be like a producer or director or something right. fancy. And uh, by the time that I got to that point where I was done climbing the ladder at my old job, that's when I started thinking about the bigger picture and fulfilling some of those dreams that I had. And that's really where I started thinking about career transition and stuff like that. So I just thought that was really interesting. It was right around the same time in life you had the yeah. same uh, revelation. Yeah, but they will continue, I'm sure. We'll see what happens when the 40th revelation happens. I don't know. I could want to be a unicorn by then. <laughs> well, I've already, I've just passed the uh, 40, so no new revelations yet. Okay. So, okay. I mean, unless we count this podcast, that's really... Uh, I think you are fantastic. You, I would say... You have more balls than I do because you put yourself out there, man. That The video thing is not something I've conquered on LinkedIn. I'm consistent with content on LinkedIn. I write very consistently um, and I feel comfortable doing that. But putting videos is like a whole new ball game and that has not been you know, a marker for me even though um, it may seem that I, I have a lot of courage and, you know, speaking in front of crowds is a lot different than, you know, having something marked in the, the digital atmosphere for, for the rest of time. So I commend you for that. I think you can, obviously, I don't need to tell you this, but you could do whatever you want. You're proof. You are. You're doing it. I don't know how to do a podcast, even if I wanted to, but you figured it out. I think you got more out of that degree than I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe so. I mean, it's either that or just life experience working uh, in the field all those years. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I think you actually got me a little speechless. But uh, I think uh, as far as making content, I plan most of the content that I make on LinkedIn. Bravo, I, you should. So do I. There's a lot of people who claim that they can just hit record and go and be spontaneous. I'm not that spontaneous. I, I treat it like an actual production, which mm-hmm. comes back to probably our background of, well, learning how to produce. So, yes, you know, Absolutely. go figure. Yeah, but, I have to have a plan and I can't function without that. You know, I need to, you know, and also the, the editing process. I don't post something, you know, I'm not just like sitting there on my phone and you know, scribbling things and attaching a picture, you know, and, and no, no shame on anybody's Facebook game, but that's not what the LinkedIn, you know, um, format is for. And I very carefully, you know, think things out. And I do, I have a schedule of the things I'm going to post and when and, and why. Um, so I hear you. And that relates to our virtual LinkedIn local events as well. That is a full blown studio production. Let me tell you that has, and it's been fun, I will say. The, the whole behind the scenes of that production, I, you attended, um, I think, one so far that we've done. And that, I have been asked, oh, is it easier to plan LinkedIn Local now that it's virtual? No, <laughs> not at all. The planning aspect, it's the same amount of time to plan, but it's very, it, it's more hectic to produce. Well, I'll tell you what, for all the hard work you put in and stress you might have, you sure make it look like a fun thing to do. And it's always a pleasure to stop by. I really wish that I could get there more often, but I'm already driving 90 minutes into D.C. right now. That's okay. That's okay. And I think I I make it look easy. That's what the wine's for. (laughs) (laughs) Wine helps, and that's also a good tip for uh, introducing yourself at a networking event. <laughs> that, that is good advice, because I needed a drink or two, the first <laughs> one or two, to really feel loosey-goosey and, you know, relaxed enough that I could uh, be myself. Now I've been putting myself out there so much that, you know, the comfort is just there, which is just... That's a whole nother episode to go into all that. Yeah, that's great. But I feel like we're getting, uh, we've been on for a little while now. I'm feeling like we're getting down to the wire here. Um, As far as uh, just anything you're involved with, anything that you're doing on social media, is there any way that people can... uh, you know, contact you or contact uh, anything else that you're involved with? Absolutely. I will say first and foremost, um, for anyone that wants to be more involved and learn about Living Classrooms, you can visit their website, livingclassrooms.org. Find out about their programming. There are many different ways to donate and contribute, um, not just monetarily, um, and also volunteerism as well. and as far as me, I think the best place to always find me is on LinkedIn, Melody Barron, plain and simple. Um, 
And uh, to find out more about LinkedIn Local, uh, we do have a Facebook page. LinkedIn Local Baltimore is our Facebook page. On the global level, <clears throat> every organization sort of runs their communications and their hubs differently. So I would say in general, searching the LinkedIn Local hashtag, hashtag LinkedIn Local, uh, that's where you'll find events all over the world. Um, and our events, uh, not only the Facebook page, but to find them on other platforms, you would search LinkedIn Local Be More or LinkedIn Local Baltimore are our hashtags. Um, and I encourage everybody, you know, we've got a, an event coming up next Wednesday on the 17th. It's our big three-year anniversary and um, tickets are on Eventbrite for that if anyone has any interest. I gotta buy mine. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> okay. I had every intention of being there last month, and then something came up. I guess I wound up uh, spending the night with my wife. I don't know what we did, but I think that that was a really good choice. I never, <laughs> I never fault anybody for not coming. If you're available to, we love to have you. And if you can't, it's never. A, there's no shame on that. Um, and I will say, we are sending. This is a an exclusive. Every single registrant of our event next week is receiving a gift box filled with Baltimore goodies donated from local businesses. So um, you put that out there in the world, and if you and your wife want the goodie box, that's a good reason to register. Ooh, yeah, that is a good reason to register. I like yeah, swag. Exactly. Yeah. I'm in. So <laughs> okay, I'll, good. I'll find that invite. I'll be there. I'll see you there. And, uh, with all that being said, Melody, this was amazing. It was, this conversation was everything I thought it would be and then some. So thanks for taking time out of your day. And uh, it was amazing learning about, more about LinkedIn Local and obviously Living Classrooms Foundation and just amazing to have a, conversation with you like this not that we haven't talked before but it's really amazing to just talk to you like this so thanks for uh thanks for coming on appreciate it thank you for having me keep doing what you're doing i love this and uh i i look forward to seeing more of these i i have caught a couple of episodes so now i need to catch up oh well and thank I you for uh yeah the pride of baltimore there we go <laughs> See, the Pride of Baltimore is watching and listening, and that means everything to me. So, <laughs> yes. All right. This was Melody Barron, and I am Mark Schmidt, and I will be back with another episode of Mark My Words soon.